Glad to be here with you tonight. I was sick last week. Anybody else sick last week? Sorry. Glad you're better. Glad you're here tonight. I'm glad to be here tonight with you guys. And tonight we're going to be starting a new series. So let's go ahead and get that graphic pulled up for the new series we're starting tonight called In My Feelings. In My Feelings. So I want to start off by asking you guys a question. I want to ask you a question. Listen up. Shh. How do Christians deal with emotions? Now, this is a rhetorical question. This is a question you ask in your head. You think to yourself, I don't need any answers. But how do Christians deal with emotions? Now, to some of you, this might sound like a kind of silly question, right? Like, they're emotions. So, to a certain extent, I can't control how I feel about things. So, how do, why does it matter that I'm a Christian, like, as to how I should handle emotions? Like, that, that doesn't make sense, right? Why does it matter? Well, the reality is that as Christians, we've committed ourselves to following God in every single aspect of our life, including our emotions, including our emotions. So uh, someone once said this about emotions, and I think it's really helpful. They said that emotions are always real. Your emotions are always real, but they're not always true. Your emotions are always real, but they're not always true. Your emotions are real, but they're not always true. See, I think that's really helpful because for most people, we deal with emotions in extremes, right? Like on one end of the spectrum, you can let your emotion rule you. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's people that don't allow their emotions to influence them at all, right? Essentially, right, we say that there's people that say that there's emotions are always true, right? There's people that think that emotions are always true and that we should always let them impact how we act. Or we say that they're never true and that they should never impact how we act, right? We all know the over-emotional guy who gets upset about something really little and then they work up this whole situation in their head till the point where they're so mad that they're ready to fight somebody. You guys know this guy? Yeah. There's the same thing is true, right? Like they, there's, there's somebody who lets their emotions convince them to do whatever they feel. And it doesn't matter whether it hurts others or uh, they don't care. They're just going to do whatever they feel. On the flip side, most of us also know there's people who always seem stoic. They're like robots. They're rocks. They don't feel anything. They just take their emotions and stuff them down inside until they blow up, Right? And eventually they will blow up and their emotions will come out, right? So which is it? Do we lean into our emotions or do we lean away from them? Well, it says this about emotions in Matthew chapter 27. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. All right, so on one hand, we're supposed to love God with everything in us. That's emotion, right? On the other hand, the Bible also tells us this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Right, so the, the Bible sees this tension between emotions too, that there's ways that we can be unemotive and we need to be more emotive. There's also times when we are being too emotional and we need to pull it back a little bit. 
So there's two questions I really want you to think about as we go through this talk tonight, and that is these. Number one, do you control your emotions or do your emotions control you? Do you control your emotions? Do your emotions control you? And number two is this. Are your emotions filtered through what we know to be true about Jesus? All right, so these two questions. Now, as we get into this series, In My Feelings, right, we're going to be talking through some different types of emotions. So each week is going to be a different emotion, and we're going to be talking through what it looks like to handle that emotion biblically as a Christian, right? We want to be emotionally healthy Christians. We want to figure out what that looks like. Now, we know that God has emotions, right? It's one of the ways that we are created in God's image. He has emotions, so we have emotions. We are like God because we have emotions. And that's different than a lot of other creation, right? Like trees don't have emotions, do they? right? No, rocks don't have emotions. We are unique in that sense. Now, like, do other animals have some emotions? Yeah, but we have definitely the most complex emotions of any of creation. And so we are more like God than any other creation in our emotions. We're in his image. We're made in his image in that way. But in the same extent, we can't let our emotions control us and impact the way that we live and change the way that we see the world. So tonight we're going to be starting this series talking about the emotion of joy. Joy. This is what it says in Acts chapter 16, and it talks about some people experiencing joy. It talks about these guys named Paul and Silas who were missionaries in the early church, and they experienced some joy in a unique situation. So here's what it says. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned to her and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened them their feet into the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. All right, so kind of interesting story here, right? Like Paul and Silas were on this missionary journey where they're traveling around the world trying to share the gospel with people that have never heard it before. Now, when you guys think of missionaries, a lot of times what you're thinking of is people who decide to, instead of living a normal life where you get a job in the United States, you go buy a house, you have a family, instead they move overseas and they go live in some place and they try and share the gospel there. 
Now, Paul and Silas did something similar, except for that they were traveling the whole time they did this. They went from city to city to city, and they would share the gospel. They would share about what Jesus had done and how he died and how he resurrected and how he was offering forgiveness for sin. And so they traveled, and while they were doing this, they were sharing the gospel with people who had other religions, right? Places where it was illegal to be Christian. Places where they had state religions where the government enforced that you had to practice this religion, right? If you've ever studied, like, Roman or Greek mythology, right, those weren't just stories to those people. That was their actual religion. They believed those things. They worshipped those gods. And so Paul and Silas were sharing this with Roman people in Macedonia about Jesus, but they already had a religion of their own. And so the people would get frustrated because they didn't believe this and they were trying to change them and trying to convert them. And so Paul and Silas were taken and thrown into prison. Now, they were beaten wrongfully. They were wrongfully arrested and they were imprisoned without ever being given a trial. What, what they did may have been illegal, but they were still wronged for sure. Yet, despite everything bad that had happened to them, They didn't mope around. They didn't get frustrated at God and just, God, why'd you do this to me, right? Like, do you guys see and understand what happened at the end here? Right? Like, it's pretty crazy. They are in a jail cell, beaten and bloodied, yet they're still worshiping God. They don't know if they're going to get out. They don't know if they're going to be kept in this jail cell and to rot forever. They don't know if maybe they're going to be given the death sentence. Yet, they still worship God. Right now, how would you respond in this situation? Would you be sad? Would you respond with despair, hopelessness, anger? But that's not how Paul and Silas responded, did they? They instead responded with joy by singing worship songs and praying to God. They're praising him for what he's done. They're praising God for who he is. Instead of of being frustrated, instead of being hopeless, instead of getting angry, they take the opportunity to demonstrate joy because they trust that God is in control and they're worshiping him because they know that he can continue to use them because they know he's in control. And if he wants to use them in a prison, he's going to use them in a prison. Now, we didn't read this part of the story, but the story actually continues to go on to where the jailer who's guarding them uh, that night actually comes to faith and he starts to become a follower of Jesus. This is an incredible story because Paul and Silas didn't just get angry, but instead they didn't look at God and say, God, you called me to go on this mission to share the gospel and now I'm stuck here. But instead they trusted to God to use them regardless of where they were at, regardless of their circumstances. And they could do this because joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. See, sometimes we think that they're the same thing. We use them as synonyms sometimes. We, we make them mean the same thing, but they're not actually the same thing. See, happiness is an outward emotion that you feel when you're enjoying your circumstances. When you like what's going on, you feel happy, right? But joy can be experienced even when your circumstances aren't good. 
Joy can be experienced when things are good, but it doesn't have to rely on that, where happiness does rely on your circumstances. For example, look at how Paul and Silas responded to their circumstances. Do you think they experienced anger? Do you think they experienced sadness at what they were doing, at what was going on to them? Of, of course, yeah. Like, they were in prison. They were wronged. They were beaten, right? Things were not going well for them. Of course, they felt some of those emotions. So they weren't happy that they were in jail, but they were able to experience joy regardless, right? They're two different things. They weren't happy, but they were joyful. They had joy in something that, uh, in God, and so their joy couldn't be destroyed because of unfortunate or unfavorable circumstances. So think about your own life for a second, right? Like, what are you pursuing for happiness? What do you try and use to make yourself happy? What circumstances do you put yourself in? Maybe it's sports, right? Like, making the team or winning the championship, right? But what happens when you lose or you get injured? What happens if you lose your starting position? Maybe you use academic achievement to make you happy. You want success and money and you want to go to a good college. But what happens when you fail the test or you don't get the grades that you want or you don't get into your top school choice? What if you're living for comfort or relationships? What happens when you are experiencing suffering? Life is just hard, right? So relationships will end at times, and will you still be able to experience joy even when you're facing hard things? That's the question we're getting after tonight. And as a follower of Jesus, we're not called to try and live lives that are always happy, but we are called to live lives that are always joyful. So why is that? How are we expected to always be joyful? Well, it's because joy doesn't depend on circumstances. Joy doesn't depend on circumstances. And some of this is a little redundant. We've talked about this already, about joy is unique from happiness and that you can have it even when your situation sucks, right? Your situation, your circumstances, whatever you're experiencing doesn't impact joy like it does happiness. So have you ever had an experience where you felt joy even when things are difficult? I know for me, I felt this way most clearly when my daughter was being born. Now, I know that this sounds obvious, right? Like, like when my daughter was born, you think of babies being born as this really happy, joyful thing, right? But it was actually pretty tough and terrible. Like, there was a lot of emotions going on. Like, for example, I was feeling incredibly anxious while I was waiting for my daughter to be born. The anxiety of becoming a father and all of the what-ifs that could happen. Like, no joke, like literally the first time I ever had an anxiety attack was in the hospital waiting for my daughter to be born. There was also fear that I was experiencing because my wife was not doing well while she was giving birth to our daughter. She had to have an emergency C-section and she was literally on the operating table, shaking, turning blue, and I wasn't sure if she was going to survive or not, right? But then there's, on the flip side, there's the emotion, the happiness that I experienced when I got to see Zion for the first time, right? So, like, there's all of these different emotions going on while I'm experiencing this. But joy was consistent through it all. 
I always had this underlying contentment and peace because I knew that God was in control. So the big question is how? How do you experience joy regardless of your circumstances? Well, it's by knowing that joy is the contentment of knowing that God is always in control and always good. Joy is the contentment of knowing that God is always in control and always good. Now, I want to show you guys something. I have something back here to demonstrate this for you. How many of you guys are coffee drinkers? Raise your hands. Yeah, some middle school coffee drinkers. I can respect that. I uh, actually don't drink coffee that often, but I really enjoy it. I worked in Star- at Starbucks for several years when I was in college. And uh, when I was there, I learned how to do a lot of things with coffee and how to make it. And one of my favorite ways to make coffee is using something like this. It's called a Chemex, or some people call it a pour-over. Have you guys ever seen one of these before? Yeah. I think it is one of the best ways because it, it uses uh, the coffee and it, it makes the most, uh, extracts the flavor the most, and it creates this really bold flavor of the coffee. So the uniqueness of where it's grown, you can actually taste that as opposed to like just uh, normal drip coffee, right? So I'm talking coffee nerd stuff. I'm going over your heads. I'm sorry. But uh, I love coffee pour overs, and I think that there is a really good example or an illustration of how we can experience joy by knowing that God is always good and always in control. So let me show you how this works here. So we have this container here, and this is just collecting the coffee, right? And this thing here is a filter that keeps the grounds of the coffee, which are inside the filter, from going into the coffee liquid, right? So all you do is you just pour some coffee into the filter here, and then you can pour some water on top of it. Hot water, of course, right? Nobody wants cold coffee. And you pour the water on top of it, and it will slowly kind of drip into the container to make the coffee, right? All right, so why am I telling you this? It's because this. When we are trying to filter our emotions... We have to filter them through who God is and what the Bible tells us about how to live our lives. We have to filter our emotions through the truth of the gospel, right? When we're experiencing hardships, we have to look at that through the lens of knowing that God is good, that God is in control, that God cares about you. But if that filter is missing, then everything is coming through, right? And nobody wants coffee that has coffee grounds in it. Coffee is delicious. Everyone loves coffee. It's expensive, right? Like, have you ever been to Starbucks before? It's like $5 for a coffee. And if there's grounds in it, what are you doing with it? You're throwing it out. It's useless. Nobody wants that, right? So the filter is what makes it good. It's what protects it from being something bad and instead being good. And in the same way, when we're thinking about our emotions, how we feel about things, we have to filter that through the gospel. See, the only way that Paul and Silas would be able to understand what was going on with them. To be able to understand what was going on with them and still experience joy is because they believed those things about Jesus. They believed that God cares about them. They believed that God is in control. They believed that God is good. And they trusted his power. They trusted his goodness in whatever was going to happen to them. So 
in the same way you can have that same hope and trust and confidence that God is good and God is in control with what you're experiencing in life. So where do you need to gain joy? What does joy look like in your life? Maybe it's learning to accept your parents' strict rules instead of complaining all the time about it. Maybe it's looking for where God is caring for you during your hardships instead of just focusing on trying to make them go away or focusing on how unfair it is that God let them happen to you at all. Maybe it's learning to be content with the things that you have instead of constantly trying to get more and more and more. Maybe joy is being bold about your faith even when it's not the popular decision for you to make. But in all of these things, you can have joy by having the contentment of knowing that God is good and he is in control. So my challenge for you guys is to think through these things, to think through what it looks like for you to practice joy in your life, to figure that out and talk about that in your small groups tonight. And just a reminder for you guys, the three points we have for tonight, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy doesn't depend on circumstances, and joy is the contentment of knowing that God is always in control and always good. All right, so we're going to take some time to discuss that in small groups, but let me pray for you guys first. Will you bow your heads, please? Father, I thank you so much for this group of students, just the opportunity to be able to be with them, to be able to get into your word, to be able to spend time with them, and just be able to think through what it looks like to be joyful regardless of our circumstances. Father, as we take time to think through that, I pray that you would help each of us to be able to figure out what that looks like specifically in our lives what it looks like to be able to be joyful regardless of our circumstances, to be content knowing that you are good, to know that you're in control, and that we can trust you to take care of things. Father, that's a hard lesson to learn, and I know that that's a challenge for all of us, including myself, Lord. So I pray that you would help us to grow in that. Nobody's going to be perfect in it, but help us to grow in it. Help us to improve in our joy this week. But we need your help to do that, so we ask for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.